Corn found a way to close higher, even with soybean futures moderately lower and wheat futures ending the day on the downside of unchanged. The cattle complex came alive after mid-morning, even as sellers piled on the pig market. From the far side of the midpoint of this week's coverage via Farm Journal broadcast, this is AgriTalk. This afternoon, we chat with Bill Lapp from Advanced Economic Solutions, and immediately following the news, Todd Bubba Horwitz from BubbaTrading.com. <laughs> I'm Handsome Newsman Davis Michelson. Hey, hello, Davis. Talk How to you there? Hi, Davis. Okay, there. That's better. Ooh. Hi, Davis. Wow. It's it's good to talk with you again. How are Sorry you, brother? About that. My ears are ringing. <laughs> I didn't do that on purpose at all. Uh, well, nor would we think that you did. Certainly not. No. <laughs> Big Apple Joe Stackler, everybody. There I am prepared. Is. As a professional broadcaster, I am prepared to raise or lower the volume of my voice. Yes. As the situation requires. That's exactly right. Exactly right. Welcome. We Welcome to AgriTalk. I'm Chip. That is Davis. Yep. How's things going, buddy? We're getting close to the rain showing up here. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't I haven't been paying attention to the rain at all. You know what I'm thinking about? Yeah. Everybody made so much fun of me with the chili and the corn in it. Yeah. Made that on uh, Saturday. I saw that. You know, it looked good. It looked it good. delicious. I'm not saying I wouldn't try it. It's. How about this one? The next okay. day, while I had okay. the crockpot still out, had me a shoulder roast. I just haven't been sure what to do with. I thought, you know what? Let's make some pulled pork toward that end. Huh? About yeah. a half a can of spiked hard root beer okay. into the crock pot with the roast itself. Let her Ooh. sit all day. Yep. How was, now, was that? It was a little sweet for just ju- to just eat the pork. Yeah. But with the sauce and a little bit of a little bit of hot sauce in there, a little, little caliente. Oh. I'm here to tell you. There you go. Uh, you know, uh, you know. I just got to say this. You know what? You're welcome, America. You are welcome <laughs> for all the for all the cooking tips that that come flying out of AgriTalk from time to time. Yep. I think it's just fantastic. Yep. These yep. are great ideas. Great. You ideas. know what you do? You use half a can of spiked root beer. You drink the other half. Everybody <laughs> wins. Everybody wins. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, we've got uh, we've got wood fired pizzas on the menu for oh, tonight. Oh baby, that's yeah. fancy. Well, that's that is a hearty helping of pork right there. Is what mm. that's going to mm. be. Mm. Yeah. It, yeah, watch out because I'm coming to work smarter tomorrow. <laughs> you and me both, buddy. We can't get <laughs> any dumber. <laughs> <laughs> We're always looking to improve that. Woo-hoo! All right, let's get this thing started. What you got in the news? Well, chip wheat futures faced selling across the board amid a lack of supportive news. USDA reported winter wheat plantings were 57% complete as of October 9. That was in line with the five-year average. The agency estimated 29% of the crop was emerged. Ukraine's ag minister warned last week not all intended winter wheat acres will likely be seeded. Meanwhile, wheat quality in southern Brazil is suffering a notable decline and production cuts are expected yeah. due to head sprouting and disease from wet weather. Yeah. December HRW wheat futures four cents lower today, six sixty-seven and one quarter. December SRW wheat off two and one half cents to five fifty-six. December spring wheat closed at seven twenty and one half. That's down three cents today. Connect the dots back to El Nino on this one. That's an El Nino driven weather happening in southern 
Brazil where they grow a lot of the wheat. Uh, it's just yep. been heavy rains after heavy rain. Well, corn futures hovered around unchanged above the 40 and 20 day moving averages in today's trade. USDA reported corn harvest progressed to 34% complete as of October 9. Chip, that's three percentage points ahead of the five-year average. Corn rated good to excellent was unchanged on the week, 53%. World Weather Inc. reports harvest weather in the U.S. is expected to be mostly good, although heavy rains across parts of the Corn Belt through Saturday will slow or delay progress briefly. December corn futures were 2.5 cents higher, 488. March corn firmed. Two and a half cents, five oh three and three quarters. May corn futures closed at five eleven and three quarters. Guess what? Up two and a half cents, Chip. Right, right. All right. You know, hey, yeah. if you did not get a chance to hear this morning's Agri Talk, give it a listen. The Farmer Forum was fantastic oh. with Gary and Quentin. Yep. Uh, but we also had a conversation with Ken Ferry. He had some great advice on what you should be doing if you're sitting in the combine seat this fall. Some great advice. Give it a listen. Well, Chip, corrective selling in soybean meal futures weighed on soybean futures in today's trade. USDA announced daily soybean sales of 121,000 metric tons to China mm-hmm. and 213,000 metric tons to unknown destinations, both for 23-24. USDA reported harvest reached 43% complete as of Sunday, six percentage points ahead of the five-year average. Meanwhile, soybeans rated good to excellent declined one point from the previous week to 51%. November beans, 19 cents lower today, 12.52 and a half. Jan beans off 17, 12.72 and a quarter. March beans closed at 12.85. That's down 15 and a half, Chip. Yeah, November uh, crude oil futures down more than than two bucks Mm -hmm. uh, as we speak. I don't think that helped out the soy complex today either. December cotton futures fell 40 points to 85.05. On your livestock's live cattle futures posted solid gains despite weakness in wholesale prices. Though decent movement is supportive and suggests retailers are willing buyers on short-term dips. December fat cattle up a buck ninety-two and a half to one eighty-six ninety-seven and one half. February futures gained a buck ninety-two and a half to one ninety-one twenty-five. November feeders firmed a buck sixty-five to two fifty-two even. And on the snout side, a nineteen-dollar drop in pork bellies was more than enough to chase wow. buy, uh, chase uh, buyers from lean hog futures. Excuse me, December hogs down a buck forty-five, sixty-seven ninety-seven and a half. Uh, February uh, fell one dollar two cents and one half seventy four sixty seven and a half chip. All right, thank you, Davis. Appreciate you it. Let's let's bring in Todd Horowitz, <laughs> BubbaTrading.com. Four. How you doing, Bubba? Four. I just made a three. Hey, listen. Can we send her old Paul to unknown destinations? <laughs> I don't know if we can do that or not. I don't. I don't think that's I how mean, it works. A, a bigger idiot will never find. You can't. I mean, it, it's the the overall situation of, of this interest rate. These, this inflation is going away, and, and and the intervention of the Federal Reserve is not helping. Okay, so what does that all mean? It means that we have to let the free markets trade, let prices discover themselves, and quit trying to manipulate the economy because they're not giving us accurate data. Inflation is not three point seven percent; it's well over twenty. And every farmer and every producer is getting hammered because of the high cost of all the input costs. And if they don't have a massive crop this year, they're going to lose money. Yeah. Yeah. I do know this, dude, even for the average consumer out there, which I would consider myself in that group, the affordability of life is is worse than the inflation data would suggest. 
it is not life is not what it should be people have to work more make less and not be able to go as far not eat as well not shop as well not clothe their kids as well and not do a lot of things that they'd like to be doing because we're paying way too much for fuel and every other cost and we all know that fuel is related to 80 percent of everything that we do yeah yeah that's right what's it mean for the markets no, right now the markets are still just hanging in there, but uh, the volume's been very thin. Uh, the the yeah. price action's been really bad. Uh, I would think tomorrow will tell a big story uh, with the CPI data, and okay. I can't imagine it being good, and I think that the market will finally believe that they're going to hike rates. Okay. Baba, good stuff, man. Thank you so much. Appreciate you, and we'll talk to you later. Uh, good luck out there on the course. Thanks, brother. I'll talk to you next week. All right, Thanks, man. Trip. Yep. All right. Todd Horwitz, BubbaTrading.com. We've got USDA reports tomorrow morning. Let's get ready for it with Bill Lapp, Advanced Economic Solutions. At United Animal Health, we all share a love for animals. We have devoted our lives to agriculture and to the well-being and productivity of animals. With our guiding principle to always have the best answer, we listen to the animal and let the animal tell us what works and what doesn't. We know that if the animal is healthy and productive, so is the producer, the consumer, and our communities. Learn more at unitedanh.com. Knowledge is power. We're here to charge your batteries. Agritalk. Welcome back to AgriTalk. I'm Chip Flory. Glad that you are with us on this Wednesday afternoon. We're at the peak, Davis. We're at the top of the hump. Here yeah. we are. Yep. I would argue we've already begun to feel gravity's embrace pulling us toward the weekend. <laughs> Just slightly. Just slightly. Mm-hmm. We got a lot of work. We got a lot of work to do between now and the weekend. Don't let the ball get rolling too fast there, okay? It'll sort itself out. (laughs) All right. Uh, One of the things that we got coming uh, that we need to deal with between now and the weekend, a couple of things. We get the USDA October Crop Production Report. We get the USDA Supply and Demand, or WASDE, report tomorrow, 11 o'clock Central Time, and it's time to make sure that we know what to expect and and how some of the changes might impact the balance sheets going forward and helping us do that. Bill Lapp, Advanced Economic Solutions. Bill, it's great to talk with you again. How are you? Great. How are you today, Chip? It's great to be back on the program, especially pre-report uh, day. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, Bill, honestly, I've seen some of your comments leading into the reports in the past. And I've thought to myself, we need to get him on and just do a downline, a download, kind of a a, a line item evaluation of, of what's going to be happening with these reports. And I appreciate the notes that you sent me this morning. We're going to get the updates to the estimates of U.S. corn and soybean crops yield. It, it On the acreage side of things, they've made their changes on acreage, right? Yes, I I don't foresee any major changes in acreage. They they pretty dramatic changes um, uh, initially in in June and then and then again last month. So I I think we're pretty much done with those changes yeah. for this year. Yeah, yeah, I I think that's probably right. Used to be that we had to wait until October to get the 
the evaluation or the analysis on the certified acreage data from you from FAS. No, FSA. No, they Jeez. they they FAS FSA get them backwards all the time. Right. It it's it's uh, nice that they provide that to us and yeah, you know we we get that data. We don't know how many precincts are really reporting uh, when we get it, but it gives us a good guideline of where we might be going in that. And I I think we're pretty much set now at uh, 94.9 on the corn acres um, and 83.6 on the soybeans. Right. Right. Okay. A couple of things. Um, We've got, we got some data back at the end of September that is going to be incorporated into the reports. And let's start with the wheat on this because the the uh, small grain summary that came out on September 29th, good grief, uh, there was a bit of a surprise in there for wheat traders, wasn't there? Yeah, that was kind of a shock and awe. There were several surprises, and I guess uh, we get 12 monthly WASDs where any any other information all is compiled together, and then we get three times a year at the end of June and of March, and then at the end of September where we get a report, but we don't get a WASDI. So that's when you kick it in high gear for the analyst to um, suggest what the uh, supply demand should be. And it doesn't come out obviously for two weeks after that, as you mentioned, uh, the wheat crop revised up sharply 78 million bushels. And most of that was on uh, spring. We went up 55 million bushels on, on spring wheat. And there was, there were some indications from the trade that they were seeing more bushels out there than um, we had thought. Um, The, if you look for other guidance, what was the weather in the Northern Plains? Not very conducive for big yields. Um, crop conditions were not. And then the Canadian crop um, has not been revised up either. So it, it there were a lot of contrary signals, but that five, 55 million bushel increase in spring wheat, and then we pretty substantial increase in hardwood winter and softwood winter in the final analysis as well. Um, we did get on the same day, September 1, stocks. So you right. get a report that suggests how much crop, how much production did we, um, did, did, did we harvest? And then you get the inventories as of September one, and they were, they did not increase. You would expect if you had a bigger wheat crop, you would have had bigger stocks, but we didn't, they hit right on the trade. So it looks like feed and residual will be increased by USDA um, in their report tomorrow. Yeah. Okay. So more use to offset that bigger crop. Uh, to get the uh, to match up with the stocks report, I get you. I get you. Uh, we also yes. got the September one corn and soybean stocks estimates, which are our 2021-22 ending stocks estimates. Right, twenty two, twenty three. Right, they're the yeah. they're the end of the twenty two, twenty three, and they're the beginning stocks for twenty three, twenty four. You you had it, you had exactly. it right. Okay. Um, smaller than expected on the. Um, corn stocks at 13, 1.36 billion bushels. Um, it was down almost 100 million bushels from what USDA had been saying previously. And it was down substantially from what the trade said too. Yeah. I don't think the decrease in the stocks of corn are going to be enough to bring us into um, an extremely tight balance sheet unless we have a dramatic change in the size of the crop. So we end up smaller and then and then we feed that back into the balance sheet for 22 23 and and we're going to call the feed and residual uh similarly about 100 million bushels larger than we had previously okay okay so 
how do, how does that all shake out through the old crop balance sheet? Where might we see the changes there? We will see ending stocks reduced um, to, as it was reported, 1361, 1.361 billion bushels. And then we get an increase in the um, the feed and residual to over 5.5 billion bushels. And, you know, I have tried um, abusing numbers as much as I can to make that feed and residual <laughs> number um, correlate with any kind of animal number, livestock production, profitability, anything. And in the end, I find that it, it correlates pretty well, almost 90% correlation with the beginning supply of corn at the start of the year, and then the ethanol grind. And this year will be higher than normal. There's some error in that, but it's, it's, um, there's a lot of residual in that feed and residual. So it never surprises me when, when um, things are a little bit askew from what we um, previously thought. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I've, I've talked about it so many times and Bill, I know you've probably heard me say this, but it really is a feeder feed and fudge number. Um, it, it's uh, <laughs> you, you move that residual number around and in, in soybeans, it's obvious. We know what they're doing because there's the residual category. Uh, but when you, when, right. when residual right. becomes a, a, a component of the feed and residual category for corn and wheat, Man, backing it out to actual feed use is exceptionally difficult. Yes, and and yeah. and I've um, I, I've I've talked to um, till my till I'm blue in the face to USDA mm-hmm. individuals about this, and we haven't come up with a solution for this. But my my there's something, and I'll go in my soapbox for just a minute. I I think we need to go county by county for about one big county in each of the major states. And we need to look at what's actually happening because whether you're talking about corn or soybeans or rice or wheat or barley or oats, it doesn't matter. The first quarter residual is huge. And then we have small residuals or negative residuals in the final nine months. So there's something where we are overstating uh, usage um, in that first quarter. And and I think we actually have to go into a... Um, rather than doing a survey, um, large scale survey, we have to do a, a census of a few counties, which makes it cost effective to figure out where that error is. But it, it you know, when, when analysts can figure that feed and residual out with, their, with our models and, and um, our, our magic uh, eight ball, it's great. But when we miss it, 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 it can really uh, shake up the uh, markets. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um big part of the reason that these stocks reports, whether it be uh, for the first quarter, second quarter, third quarter, they they are market movers. And it's because of the assumptions that are in place and built into prices, factored into prices, that if USDA is off from those, you know, the average of the assumptions, we get some big moves. And those grain stocks reports – Trigger some big moves. They have done it in the past. Real quick, before we get to sure. the break, before we get to the break, um, the average trade guess on the national average corn yield one seventy three point five in September. It was one seventy three point eight from USDA. the The crop at fifteen point one two one. That is down just slightly from fifteen point one three four billion bushels. Uh, 
not a lot of change there on the corn as far as the crop goes on the the trade expectations. Um, yes, but I will I will say the range is so narrow, it would suggest that the analysts don't really have a clue as much as they usually would. They don't have a strong bias, and we could be in for a surprise. Well, that's a good one. That's a good take on that. I really hadn't given that much thought, but you're absolutely right, Bill. We're talking with Bill Lapp, Advanced Economic Solutions. We're going to keep going through the balance sheets next here on AgriTalk. Let's go to the markets page at profarmer.com and check today's closes where December HRW wheat futures were four cents lower, 667 and one quarter. December SRW wheat fell two and a half cents to 556. December corn futures were two and one half cents higher, but 488. March corn up two and a half cents, 503 and three quarters. November soybean futures were 19 cents lower at 1252 and a half. January beans softened to 17 cents to 12.72 and one quarter. December cotton fell 40 points to 85.05. On your livestocks, December fat cattle gained $1.92 and a half to 186.97 and a half. November feeder futures firmed a buck 65 to 252 on the snout, and December lean hog futures slipped a buck 45 to 67.97 and one half. Get more market news every market day. Just go to tryprofarmer.com. At United Animal Health, we all share a love for animals. We have devoted our lives to agriculture and to the well-being and productivity of animals. With our guiding principle to always have the best answer, we listen to the animal and let the animal tell us what works and what doesn't. We know that if the animal is healthy and productive, so is the producer, the consumer, and our communities. Learn more at unitedanh.com. Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. The chickens have come home to roost. Find out whose fence they're perched on today on AgriTalk. Welcome back to AgriTalk. Man, we still got a lot of ground that I want to cover with Bill Lapp, Advanced Economic Solutions. Uh, Bill, we were talking about the average trade guess on the corn crop, uh, 15.12 billion bushels down very slightly from September what on average is there is there normally much of a change from September to October uh well the normal change is on average 1.9 bushels plus or minus and oh. it barely a bias that we would increase it and in, in and this is since the year 2000. So okay. it's, it's wider. It's a wider range that I think than um, the trade guesses would suggest. And, and um, you know, to be plus or minus two bushels from what we, uh, um, what was printed in September would not surprise me at all. So we've, we've got a little bit of um, um, yeah. a potential for surprise there in the crop that, which would have an impact. I mean, two bushels per acre, is basically 180 million bushels, and that, yeah. that can change the balance sheet pretty significantly. Yeah, you lean in one way or the other on this one. I lean slightly larger, but only because the weather's been pretty open until maybe till this week. Um, that it would it would suggest we'll have um, maybe a little bit bigger yield. There hasn't been any disruption in in uh, harvest really to speak of yet. Right. 
Okay. So what's it all mean straight down at the bottom line? It, is stop stop above the stocks to use. What's it mean for ending stocks? Uh, somewhere between two one and maybe twenty three fifty. I've got a little more bearish outlook on the um, exports, but recent weeks uh, sales have proved me wrong that that may not be um, the reality. But you, you get um, somewhere north of fifteen percent stocks to use. Um, some two two point one billion bushels. And you're really looking at a market that um, is going to have pretty ample supply. It's probably going to have a, a some carrying charge in it, and um, um, may may have difficulty gravitating above the five dollar mark. Yeah, yeah. Okay, let's go over to soybeans here, Bill. Uh, September one grain stocks report: soybean stocks were at 268 million bushels. Uh, so beginning stocks for the 23-24 marketing year are going to be up from September. Yes, 18, 18 million bushels. Mm-hmm. Um, they they trip up the stocks in the crop in the previous year to get that residual near zero, and then you yeah. um, do some adjustment to the stock. So we've got a little bit of bigger supply. 18 million bushels is in a tight year like this is nothing to uh, sneeze about. Then right. Then the question becomes – um, after an extremely dry August, um, and I still believe August is the, the month where you can do a lot of good or damage to the um, yield prospects. Um, I, 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 you know, we, we were at 50.1 bushels per acre um, in, in the September report, the, there was the last month, um, the trade suggesting only a modest decrease. And again, you're looking at a, the trade guesses are really narrow. I'm, you know, the normal would be for a, a quite a bit wider range in in yields between um, from September to uh, October, yeah. and so I, I think there's quite a bit of risk there. And I, I my bias certainly is um, to the downside for yields in in tomorrow's report. Okay, yeah, that narrow range that you're talking about, and this is the Reuters survey uh, on the on the size of the bean crop. 4.1 to 4.175, a 75 million bushel spread on the trade expectations. Uh, again, it, it, it suggests that somebody is going to be surprised by the numbers. I think so. I think I think it increases the probability that we end up with a number outside the the trade guess. So, mm-hmm. you know, when, when analysts are asked for their estimate, they're not asked to say, well, what's the highest or lowest you could have? They This is just an accumulation. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you get a narrow range like that, it kind of is a um, signal in many, I, I don't want to disparage analysts, obviously, but in, in many camps, they're throwing up their arms saying pretty close probably to last month is, right. is what they're saying. And I, I think that, um, it it, to, to, it would not shock me for either corn or beans to end up outside the trade range uh, for, okay. for, for production or yield. Well, okay, so do the same thing on beans that you did on corn with what what's the average change since 2000? A uh, little under one bushel per acre, plus or minus. So that's two bushels plus or minus, and the trade range is only one bushel per acre. So you, 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 you've it seems like you have a lot more risk in that number than is portrayed there. And again, we've had a had a pretty open um, fall, mm-hmm. and it shouldn't have any 
you know, any, any harvest loss. But I think that that, that weather during August was, um, and early September was pretty extreme for, for this bean crop. And, um, I'm, I haven't received enough anecdotal information to wad a shotgun, but I, I, I do think what I have heard probably would make me believe we have downside in that yield. Okay. Okay. So take us to that bottom line again. What does it mean for carryover? Well, let me talk a little bit about the usage on, on the way down that line. Cause okay. um, we're going to crush more soybeans this year. USDA has got us going from 2220 to 2290, 2.29 billion bushels. There's probably going to be capacity that's going to be closer to 2.35 or 2.4 billion for that number. Wow. And if we have margins, we, we may crush that many uh, soybeans. I mean, the, the oil demand this week, last week's price action uh, notwithstanding, suggests that we should be uh, higher than that. The, the thing we will see this year and probably in the next couple of years is um, crush increasing at the expense of exports. So in order to meet all that crush demand, we don't necessarily need more acres because we um, are losing um, export share to South yeah. America. So um, your fun fact for the day is that <laughs> the increase in Brazil and Argentine production from last year, uh, just the increase from year to year when harvested in early 24, based on USA's forecast, is 1.1 billion bushels. Their increase is, is more than a billion bushels larger. So at some point, um, you know, the the stuff's going to hit the fan, and yeah. um, we may have a lot of soybeans. We m may be very, very tight early on, and we'll be worried about what's going to happen there weather-wise, but we could be very tight. Your question was, what's the bottom line? What's the ending stocks? Yeah. Um, where do they go? What, and, you know, 220 last month, um, despite a larger beginning stocks, I get us down under 200 million bushels, somewhere 170 to 200 million bushels. And that's with my expectation that we're going to lose um, half a bushel to a bushel per acre in yield. So I think a pretty doggone tight um, soybean balance table after it's yeah. printed tomorrow at 11 o'clock. Okay. A couple of things. First, there are some out there, that, and I've I've heard this more and more. Just in, it seems like in the last six months, Bill, that that analysts saying that USDA won't go below two twenty, not at this time of the year. Do you think there's anything to that? Um, they have in the past, especially when the yields start to fall um, to the low side. It's not written etched in some. Uh, stone somewhere that they they can't go below that right. um you know you if 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 you're going to lose that much supply i i think um the 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 rule of thumb i might use is for every two bushels you lose in supply um you probably lose one bushel in usage right so you know if you lose 100 you can still take 50 off the carryout right um that's pretty simple math yep. there okay Okay. One 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 thing I'm worried about before I let yep. you jump on is if we're going to crush this many soybeans, if we're going to crush a lot more soybeans, um, our soybean meal supply is going to go up, and you know it's going to be a little like Lucy and Ethel at, at the pie store trying to take care of all their business. I mean, we're going to have a lot of meal to move. Yes. 
Yes, absolutely we are. As a matter of fact, uh, Bill, I'm I'm going to be at the Port of Grays Harbor next week talking with the people from USB, the United Soybean Board, about what they are doing to build demand overseas for U.S. soybean meal in anticipation that, uh, of what we've been talking about. Uh, with, That'll be a great the, trip and I'm sure very educational. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so impact on price. If we get a 200 million bushel carry estimate from, from USDA, it's got to have an impact on price, doesn't it, Bill? Oh, I, I would think so. I would I would think that, uh, you know, I think the uh, we my, my belief is, you know, it may not be anywhere near limit up, but we're going to um, find some pretty good support for this um, market after that. You know, the corn situation is kind of lackluster and you've seen, you know, yeah. a, a corn chart. If it was a patient, you'd think they weren't alive, but um, the soybean market can take off. And I'm not concerned about a soybean corn ratio that um, um, is wider than normal or widens from where it is today. Okay. All right. So in this, this kind of a market, I think what, what I'm hearing is if you're a producer, you want to be looking to go ahead and sell rallies in corn, but maybe be a little more patient on beans. I think that's true. But remember, I, I mentioned that 1.1 billion bushels of South American production. Yes. Um, don't forget to um, um, think, be thinking about selling soybeans uh, um, before the end of the year. Yeah, it seems like they can always find another acre to plant to soybeans. I think it's two days in a row that I've said that now, Bill. So, Bill, great job, <laughs> it, man. It is, in fact. Yeah, great oh, job. A, great pleasure job. as always. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right, that is Bill Lapp. Advanced Economic Solutions. Davis and I will be right back to wrap up today's AgriTalk. At United Animal Health, we all share a love for animals. We have devoted our lives to agriculture and to the well-being and productivity of animals. With our guiding principle to always have the best answer, we listen to the animal and let the animal tell us what works and what doesn't. We know that if the animal is healthy and productive, so is the producer, the consumer, and our communities. Learn more at unitedanh.com. We've cleared the schedule for you. Give us a call at 855-482-5524 and join the conversation. And welcome back to AgriTalk, everybody. Your pal, Davis Michelson, here along with Chip Flory. Yes, sir. Um, <laughs> spoiler alert, um, Bubba was phoning in from the golf course. Yeah. I don't know if you noticed, he was his, just a little subdued. He was speaking yeah. in the spoken yeah. version of a golf clap. Yeah. Uh, but, but, dude. Why did I imagine Bubba on a golf course being more like Rodney Dangerfield? <laughs> well he would probably concur that he gets no respect <laughs> uh he, you know here's what he said here that made my antenna go up the fed needs to stop trying to manage the free market just leave it alone he's been talking like this for you know we have to that's a thing let the yeah. free market oh, yeah. be the free market right and and that's why 
you know, we talk about letting the market set the set the interest rates. It's why why I follow what's going on with the ten year note more so than what I will with the Fed funds right now. Of course, I follow both, but watching the day-to-day changes in the real interest rate world, I think, is so important. Mm-hmm. And it, when you start talking about, um, you know, mortgage rates and the impact that it's having on consumer attitudes, and what that ten-year interest rate is doing, and and what what the interest rate is doing on operating loans for farmers. Uh, that's part of the inflation equation. That's part of the affordability of being able to do business. If interest costs are, <laughs> I, I mean, they're four or five hundred percent more than what they were five years ago, Davis, mm-hmm. three years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, when when you have to start factoring that kind of stuff. Not just into the inflation rate, because it, the inflation rate misses a lot of stuff. When you look at the affordability of today versus what it was two years ago, three years ago, um, some people are having to make some really, really tough choices, including that, you know, that $120 uh, food bill versus you know what it was a year ago maybe it was mm-hmm. 80 a year yeah. ago yep. and that and it, or you know even if it was 100 a year ago there's your 20 percent inflation rate that they that that uh bubble was talking about and i'm not too sure if that isn't accurate well and i know for farmers mm-hmm. it, you know 20 percent mm-hmm. inflation is something that these that the farmers have been dealing with for longer well <laughs> Spend just a little bit of moment um, educating us on on that. I mean, the government says it's in single digits, bro. What's now? You're saying twenty percent is is in play, possibly, but how? Why? Well, because they don't. You know, food isn't part of the core. Energy isn't part of the core inflation rate. Now they measure. They also deliver. Here's what the inflation rate is, including food and energy, but. I in in some cases I I just scratch my head and think how how can that be? Well, it's compounding. Okay? Okay. So last year it was at 9%, this year it's at 4%. That's a 13% increase over 2 years ago. Now, if we're getting into the range where you can start talking about a 15, 16 percent mm-hmm. increase over 3 years ago. So Back to when life felt affordable and when average guys like you and me felt like we were getting ahead Mm -hmm. and now all of a sudden we're treading water or -hmm. maybe even dipping into savings to pay for regular stuff, Mm -hmm. now you're falling behind. And... To make that kind of a transition in three years, that's hard on people, dude. Yeah. Yeah, that's tough. Tough pill to swallow. Um, thank you for that explanation. Um, b- before we kick it to the weather here, reports uh, tomorrow, your conversation with Bill Lapp was uh, inclusive, extensive, a terrific conversation. 
What are you yeah. pulling out of that? Looking to the reports coming up. Um, I I realized that that the guest ranges were narrow. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the importance of that, I think, are really important. Now, if if we get the nothing burger that Chris Robinson was talking about yesterday, yep, uh, with very little change in the yield for corn or for soybeans, uh, I think that uh, then okay. I, I think the markets kind of continue to do what they've been doing, mm-hmm. uh, which in most cases is is treading water. But when you look at the average change from September to October, what was it? Plus or minus 1.9 bushel per acre on the national average corn yield, plus or minus 0.8 bushel per acre on soybeans. Now, on soybeans the yield increased in 11 of the 23 years and on corn, the yield increased in 12 of the 23 years. (laughs) You want to talk about a coin flip. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, So when you've got a narrow range, but the typical adjustment on yield is, is basically outside of that range. Yeah. That sets the stage for, some potential price action uh, when we get this thing going uh, tomorrow at at 11 o'clock central time is when the reports will be released all right i am getting to the snowbirds beware oh it's a yeah cold and rainy in florida cold and rainy in florida absolutely above normal temperatures expected october 17th through the 21st in the northern and far western production areas Nebraska is looking at mostly above normal temperatures, near normal temperatures in the middle of the Corn Belt. You got to get to the eastern belt, southern half of Indiana, most of Ohio, before you get into the below normal temperatures. Below normal precipitation expected over most of the Corn Belt. I mean, most of the Corn Belt. We're looking at below normal uh, precipitation. That is for October 17th through the 21st. Thank you so much for listening today. Tomorrow morning. We've got a conversation with Texas Commissioner of Agriculture, Sid Miller, and a conversation with Joe Cassidy from SDSU tomorrow morning here on Agritalk.